I'm Chris Reback. This is Working Capital Conversations. The World Economic Forum held its annual meeting recently in the little Swiss ski town of Davos. There was plenty of snow this year, but no one focused much on hitting the slopes. This was one of the most anticipated Davos gatherings in years. The reasons are obvious. There's a lot going on in the world today and plenty of questions. How are businesses and countries balancing long-term globalization trends with the more recent populist pressures? What do new technology impacts, particularly AI, mean for industry, employment, competition, and innovation? And then there are the regional issues, from Europe to Asia to, of course, U.S. President Donald Trump's highly publicized visit. What were the reactions, and more importantly, what should business leaders globally make sure to understand? To find out, I spoke with Dave Novak, a partner at Clayton Dublier and Rice and based in London. Dave, thanks for joining me. Really appreciate your time. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, so lots to discuss following Davos, uh, of course. First, I'm curious, have you been there before or was this your first time uh, at the World Economic Forum there? I actually have been there before. This is, I think I first went in 2009. So I've been a number of years. More snow this year, I understand. A lot more snow made uh, made getting around a lot harder, and those who came in Monday night spent a lot of time in traffic trying to get in. Yeah, I, I read reports of that. Okay, well, uh, hopefully you you got around just fine. Um, so so lots of topics. First one that I wanted to touch on was uh, you know really one of the main drivers, obviously, uh, in business and and more uh, globally, and that's the this tension between globalization and populism. Um, going into Davos, uh, obviously, one of the major questions was how business and political leaders there would balance the long-term globalization trends um, with the more recent populist pressures. Um, curious, what did you see and hear on that front? Well, as you suggest, there was a lot of talk about those two topics and the interplay between them. On the one hand, the trend of globalization is an important one and one in which many of the people at Davos obviously subscribe to and encourage and believe there are a lot of short, medium, and long-term benefits from globalization. On the other hand, uh, I think because of some of the, the recent political events over the last couple of years, people have realized more than in truth they had in prior years that not everyone has benefited from globalization. And that was very upfront and on the minds of, of almost everybody that I talked to. And so there's a lot of talk now on how do we take the benefits of globalization and make sure one, more people can benefit right away, and two, those who, who don't get the immediate benefit, what can business leaders, politicians, entrepreneurs, et cetera, do to help those retrain, get involved, share some of the benefit, et cetera, in the medium to long term? Interesting. So you, you did hear, if nothing else, there's a, a heightened sensitivity to the tension, and it sounds like the conversations began more at a stage of, okay, this exists, this tension exists, now what, as opposed to, you know, debating, you know, the emergence of the tension. I mean, obviously, we live in a post-Brexit uh, vote world and, you know, in a, in a post-Trump yeah. world. So um, it, it kind of sounds like the conversation's gotten advanced on that front. For sure. In fact, there, there wasn't one conversation without the other. You, where in prior years, you could have lots of conversations about globalization that ended at globalization, whereas this year you couldn't have any conversations about globalization that then did not lead toward uh, the conversation around a core group of people that were not benefiting from that and what 
needs to be done or what should we try to do about that? And so obviously one of the key drivers of, of jobs and, and you know, current and future tension is around um, technology and the impact of technology uh, um, on, on jobs and innovation, in particular um, AI, artificial intelligence. I mean, that's obviously been a key topic, what it means for industry, employment, competition, innovation. Um, what did you find? Did you find business leaders excited or apprehensive about AI in particular? And do you find that most businesses already have an AI strategy? What did you hear on that front? Yeah, I would probably put business leaders in three buckets. One, the group that are very excited about it, and it won't surprise you, most of them were in the technology space. Two, you had a group of people who were quite worried about it because they knew it was going to impact their business and did not have a strategy. Three, the people who say, oh yeah, AI is interesting. I really need to learn more about it. Not really sure what opportunity it is for me or what risk it is for me. So that would be the three buckets I kind of would put the, the business leaders uh, that I talk to about it. That being said, uh, AI is and technology-driven disruption was absolutely at the forefront of the dialogue. Um, and it really did tie to the same issue around globalization is lots of opportunity, lots of productivity. However, there will be a core group of people that get displaced as a result of it. And there'll have to be, uh, you know, it, it sounds like, as that emerges, maybe there's greater awareness, greater sensitivity around protecting the downside um, than perhaps there might have been if this topic had come up 10 years ago, five years ago. Is that is that fair? Or there are always issues that come up and there always has to be sensitivity and, and awareness of what it can do, you know, for both the, uh, you know, top line as well as, uh, you know, for jobs and, and individuals. And um, this is just the latest one. Um, any, anything different about the... No, my sense is that it was far more prevalent this year than even two years ago, frankly, I think for two key reasons. One is... Some of the business models, such as the Ubers of the world, have progressed so much and so rapidly over the last couple of years that one can see how those business models and others like that can lead to job displacement and, and related other technologies, robots, et cetera, that you can see coming. And the second thing is just the growth of populism, and it's become front and center and clear from some of the election results, particularly in the UK and the US that people are more focused on that issue. So this is, from my perspective, also a relatively new phenomenon. Uh, and I have very few conversations about AI and te technological disruption that didn't lead toward the second part of that discussion, which was the displacement that will result from that and what do we do. And you, you just raised uh, some of the regional impacts. So let's let's move to the, the region that, uh, you know, one of the regions that you obviously know extremely well, Europe. Um, what what message did global leaders uh, did, the, did the global business leaders there get from Europe? I mean, reading about it, hearing about it was was fascinating. You had uh, France President Emmanuel Macron gave a really muscular speech on on the Wednesday. The New York Times reported that he you know quote laid claim to the mantle of leader of the free world. I, I don't know how, you know if that's true, but that's that. I mean, that's how they characterized it. I mean, in the same day, I uh, had a uh, Merkel speech. The Italian Prime Minister also issued their own um, really forceful speeches toward advancing. Europe. 
European integration, and while defending the notion, uh, the New York Times reported, of international cooperation. And, you know, meanwhile, you had from the UK, Prime Minister Theresa May continued to, to kind of struggle, it seemed, with, with Brexit angst. Um, is the European continent making a direct play to lead on globalization and connected business opportunity? And, and really, maybe out of call it more connected business opportunity more than just leading on globalization. But did you see a stronger play from the European continent this year? I think there's no doubt there was a stronger play from the European continent. But absent politicians being politicians, I would not describe it as trying to lead on globalization. I think what is really happening is to a certain extent, it's a bit of a coming out party for Europe and that Europe is growing again for the first time, probably post-crisis continental Europe, really across the piece, has has some a lot of positive things to talk about in terms of growth, macro growth, job growth, et cetera. And that, have, that has been aligned with, in France in particular, a new charismatic leader who is optimistic and telling a good story around longer-term improvement and growth, not only in France, but France's role in, then in driving more sustained growth in Europe. So I think that's big driver around it. You know, there's Europe, unfortunately, like everybody suffered after the financial crisis in 08, 09, uh, but then had that the sovereign crisis thereafter that has put Europe in a bit of a funk absent really Germany and the UK for a long time after some hard, hard changes uh, in a number of countries, Iberia, Ireland and others, etc., combined with the banks sorting themselves out and Draghi, I think, doing a very good job at the ECB, Europe is growing again. And so I think, yes, Europe is flexing its muscles, but also is, is trying to build a path and a perception toward more sustained growth. If that happens, then I'm sure um, Europe will try and use that, certainly the, the politicians, to, to drive a bigger place in the, in the, in the global scene. But that, is, that we'll have to see. The, the one country that is, is more challenged than that, of course, is the UK as it's trying to sort itself out with Brexit. Still early stages in trying to see whether it has the political might and fortitude to negotiate a sensible deal with Europe. And it, it, it's still too early to figure out what that sensible deal could look like. Can Theresa May drive it through her own country, not to mention then make a deal with the EU? And so it's early days. As Mark Carney said, you know, for the first time in a while, the UK is at the bottom of the growth uh, ladder in the G7. And that will probably continue for a little while. Yeah, quite a balancing act, it, it seems, that uh, Theresa May has. Let's talk, I, I know you're, you're based out of Europe. Um, let's turn to Asia to the extent that, uh, you know, you, you focused on, on things there. Um, it seemed that there were two significant Asia headlines. Um, one uh, from China, where uh, President Xi Jinping didn't show, um, but a senior advisor uh, at Davos said that uh, China was primed to de-emphasize debt-fueled growth. Um, and meanwhile, uh, from India, where Prime Minister Modi um, called on nations to embrace globalization, combat climate change, strengthen international institutions like the uh, World Trade Organization, um, you know, but meanwhile failed to note, uh, you know, his country's recent import restrictions and, and other broad industrial policy the New York Times reported meant to uh, force foreign companies to increase manufacturing operations in the country. Um, are, are the China and India economies, um, to the extent that you, you focused on that area, 
um, you know, perhaps not as fully open or transparent as purely capitalist markets, but more attractive for investments and business growth because of their structure and because of their government's more direct involvement? What, what did you hear from Asia and, and what did you maybe hear business leaders um, talking about regarding uh, potential opportunities there? Yeah, look, that's a good question. I mean, there's no doubt that they're not as fully open or transparent um, as a number of the Western markets. And I think there's a fair amount of debate as to which model is better. I think there's a strong group of people in the East and the West who understand and appreciate the benefits of certainly how China runs its economy in a very long-term and controlled manner. And it has been obviously very good for China's growth and probably also helps it manage the risks of cycles and other potential exogenous events that could impact the economy. So I think evidence would suggest there are some real benefits to that political and economic model. Interestingly, I found a lot of the dialogue, at least that I was involved in as it pertains to China, was focused around two areas. One, trade and what will evolve in discussions slash negotiation, slash rhetoric with the U.S. and to North Korea, and what, if any, role that China will ultimately play in helping manage the North Korean issue. Interesting. So that uh, the, the geopolitical aspect um, of North Korea came into play, um, that's an interesting insight. I mean, it makes sense, I guess, uh, that could... Uh to say the least, disrupt things should there uh, end up being action on the Korean Peninsula. So, and and yes, China's involvement or lack of involvement, uh, you know, where that turns, um, surely will be a big uh, big deal. Um, interesting that that uh, that that came up. Um, keeping moving around the globe, I, I'm sure you didn't hear about it or notice it because it, you know, very minor deal and really not a not a large personality. But uh, so just FYI, President Trump showed up in Davos also, just in case. Uh, oh, is you know, that right? Yeah, yeah. Was he yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, he was there. I fi- I figured it. It's possible you you know, it, it. He's easy. He's easy to miss. But yes, he was there. And, uh, and, and, you know, kidding aside, I'm, I'm curious as to, um, you, you know, what, what was the take, um, that, that you heard? I mean, the, you know, key, a lot of the analysis, um, seemed to indicate that he was really trying to, um, you know, thread the needle. Uh, you know, America first does not mean America alone. Uh, was probably, you know, one of the key lines of what he said. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, really tried to emphasize, uh, America is open for business. Um, you really emphasizing, and he talked about this again a little bit more, uh, a couple of days ago in the, uh, State of the Union. Um, you know, that this is, America is the place where people really want to do business. And, and he really tried to emphasize, uh, that I thought in his conversation to, uh, the leaders there in Davos. Um, what, did you hear anything, you know, what, what was the take did you feel yeah. on President Trump? And, uh, you know, is there, do people believe that America first does not mean America alone? Well, look, I have a couple observations from, from Davos and the conversations I had. I said, first of all, it's very hard for me to find people from outside of America who like or support Trump's approach uh, in any way, shape, or form, uh, which is interesting. So that's the first thing. The, the second interesting thing was, however, that his attendance at Davos had a massive impact. I mean, he and frankly, his broader contingent had almost rock star status in a way that I really don't remember anyone having in the last you know, 10 years. 
So whatever people, quote, say publicly about what they think about Trump, there was a lot of interest in him and what he was going to say, how he would present himself, what he looked like, who was around him, et cetera, et cetera. That was the first thing. But I mean, my second observation would be business people at least understood the new Tax and Job Act and thought it could be positive for the U.S. and for U.S. growth. And there's some talk about, well, it'll be interesting to see over time how other countries might respond to this. And, and while Secretary Mnuchin was very focused on saying we really don't want this to be erased to the bottom, without a doubt, some of the you know, other countries will, will take note and figure out if they need to respond in some way, shape, or form. I should also add that people noted the reduction in, in regulation in the U.S. over the last year. Understand it could be for good for America. On the other hand, the European mindset would generally be more to more regulation and not supportive of, of the regulatory changes and, and mood that seems to be going on in the U.S. I think as it pertains to global impact, I think there is a lot of disappointment on what, what is the perceived U.S. backtrack from its global geopolitical leadership role, because most people feel like the world needs America in that role. And thinks, however, that Trump is likely to be commercial on a lot of things, particularly as it pertains to trade. However, you know, there's there's concern at how Trump's uh, impulsiveness might lead itself to potential conflicts in North Korea or the Middle East, et cetera. Yeah, that that coming up again. What about the, uh, you know, trade packs and, you know, not not going forward with TPP, with the Trans-Pacific Partnership, um, you know, talking about uh, wanting to create bilateral trade agreements uh, with whoever, you know, fair fair trade agreements. Um, it, it, was there a sense that, yes, bilateral trade agreements can work, and if the U.S. doesn't want to be in, in multilateral partnerships, that's, you know, no big deal? Or was there a sense that, wait, that could get really complicated really quickly? I think there was a little bit of both, but as it pertains to TPP or NAFTA, et cetera, ultimately most people kind of hung on to, well, Trump is ultimately a deal guy and he's got to have an opening position that is very aggressive, but we'll be keen to get to the negotiating table and come up with something that is sensible. Maybe it'll be a bunch of individual trade packs or could still be in some sort of multilateral agreement. Anything else, anything else from your time over in Davos that struck you that I haven't asked you about? I mean, two things that come to mind. One is in terms of a major risk factor that a lot of people identified because as people look for risks, and it was cybersecurity. It's mm. something that obviously a number of companies or countries have experienced problems with, and that seems to be one that is high on everybody's list. And the second one on a more positive sense was someone described this Davos as blockchains coming out party. Interesting. And so there was lots of talk about it, lots of people involved in it in some way, shape, or form. Um, so it was, it was very present in Davos this year. Excellent. And uh, you're, you're, you're up for it again next year? You're going back? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Okay. Hopefully the snow will, uh, will cooperate. Dave, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. You're welcome, and thank you for your, your time and your good questions. Okay.